Uh, so it's good to be with you this morning. It's always a delight to be with you guys. Um, we are starting a new sermon series this morning. The theme for this year has been Let There Be Light, a year of clarity, a year of growth, a year of hope. And so one of the things we've really attempted to do is create clarity for you guys on some very key aspects of the Christian life. Aspects that you want you wanted clarity on based on the survey that we gave to all of you last year. So if you've completed that survey for this upcoming year, we really appreciate it. We want to do things here that are going to be helpful to your walk with Jesus, right? And so we often need your feedback. Um, so this is our last sermon series under this theme. And so we want to create as much clarity as we possibly can regarding what does it mean to be a part of the church? Is that important? Why does it matter if it matters? Um, since COVID hit, there are more and more people who became disengaged with the church and haven't come back, right? And so, and, you know, for years we've been seeing a trend of decreased attendance here in our country. Does it matter? If so, why does it matter? Hopefully we'll answer some of those questions for you in this sermon series. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we're going to be rooted. And so I want to read that passage to you and then we're going to consider some very important questions. Hopefully we'll provide some good answers for you. So let me read the passage. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says in this chapter, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole we're hearing where would be the smelling but now god has set the members each one of them in the body just as he has pleased and if they were all one member where would the body be 
But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, the members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then Paul it goes in 1 Corinthians 13 to talk about how love should characterize it, everything. All right, so here's, and that's the, most, the more excellent way that Paul's about to talk about, just so you know. All right, big idea here. Active involvement in a local church is a non-negotiable component of discipleship to Christ. I read that to Mary, and she's like, man, that's strong. And it is strong. And we will talk about uh, why this is so. So what is the church? Let's start there with the question. What is the church? Well, when the Bible talks about church, it talks about it in two ways. It can refer to the universal church, or it can refer to the local church. And it's important that we know the difference between the two. So let me give you a definition for the universal church. The universal church is the collection of people from all times and places that have been united to Christ through repentance and faith and have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the universal church. In other words, every single person from Pentecost until Jesus' return that has trusted their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior are their members of the universal church. Even people, loved ones that have passed, that had their faith in Christ, they're a part of the universal church. Now, we find the Apostle Paul referring to the universal church in verse 13 of our passage when he says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And so this is important. Christ has one body, not many bodies. That's important for us to understand, right? Um, there is only one universal church. And entrance into that church is through sharing in the same baptism in the same spirit. That's what makes a person a member of this universal church. It's the entrance isn't based on socio socioeconomic status, race, right? Uh, position in society, place of origin. No, is your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right? As demonstrated through baptism and by receiving the Holy Spirit. So that's the universal church. So let me give you a definition for the local church. 
The local church is a group of people in a specific time and place that have been united to Christ through repentance and faith, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and together are committed to living out the purposes of the church in their community. That's the local church. So let me just highlight a couple phrases in this rather long definition. The first is a specific time and place. I could and you could never be a part of the local church in the city of Corinth. Why? Because we don't exist at that time, right? Um, also, when we went on vacation, we, we stopped in Nashville, and we were in Florida, and there were tons of local churches. I could never be a part, and nor could you, unless we were willing to move to these places. We could never be a part of those lo local churches there. It's to be present and embodied at that place, committed to one another in that city, in that town, in that community. Members of a local congregation are committed to Christ, but they're also committed to one another. So that's uh, some definitions for the universal church and the local church. Let me answer another question for you. Why does the local church exist? So why does the local church exist? We should know this if we're coming here every Sunday, right? <clears throat> Let me give you three reasons why the local church exists. The first one is to worship God. We talk about how a Christian's life, their entire life, should be one of worship, right? Um, there's tons of scripture that supports this. Romans 12.1 states, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Hebrews 13.15 states, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So all of our life is to be an act of worship. Everything we do, and everything can be an act of worship when we do it with the motivation to love God, to please him as a response to his amazing grace, right? So the question becomes, all right, if we are to be worshipers every day, 24-7, then is it important to come to a building on Sundays and be a part of a corporate worship time experience? And the answer is yes, it is. Since the beginning of the church, from Acts 2 on, you have local churches getting together as one local church to worship God corporately. In Acts 2, when the church was just getting off the ground, we see the early church in Jerusalem, in that local place. They're praying, they're baptizing, they're focused on the apostles' teaching, they're enjoying fellowship with one another, they're pulling their resources together to make sure everybody in the community is taken care of. And so we see it. And then as... The church became many local churches and spread throughout the Roman Empire. We still see these local expressions of the body of Christ meeting together in homes to corporately worship God. And that's why we read like in the book of Ephesians that we just went through in our last sermon series. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. 
Paul told the, told the local church in Corinth that we just read a passage about. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Paul, in telling Timothy, hey, this is how the church is supposed to operate, commanded Timothy to preach the word of God in the assembly, in the assembly of believers. The author of Hebrews tells his audience, do not stop meeting together. Don't give it up. Corporate worship is a critical component of the local church. Why is doing this on Sunday morning so important? Here, here are two reasons. Corporate worship pleases God. And secondly, it fuels the Christian's worship in their daily life. So let's just consider it pleases God. I think it's pretty amazing when you stop and think that there are millions of people at this very time all over the earth that are doing what we're doing right now. Worshiping God, praising Him, hearing the Scriptures taught. Sunday, I am thinking, has to be such a delightful day for God the Father. I mean, think about earthly fathers. Um, we, we, when you have, and we have some earthly fathers here that have kids all over the United States, but man, when they're together, all in your house, all at once, your kids are there, and they're expressing their love to you, that it, it doesn't get any better for earthly fathers. God is no different as our heavenly father. When we get together on Sunday morning and we're all praising him, expressing our devotion to him, it pleases him. He loves it, right? Secondly, it fuels our worship throughout the week. When we come here, how often are we re-energized to live the gospel out um, Monday through Saturday, right? It realigns us to King Jesus and his ways when we come here on Sunday. And we need that realignment, do we not? Our culture is not about the kingdom of God. It's not about the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' kingdom ways. And so we need to be realigned, and Sunday morning helps us to do that. It provides fuel that we need to be daily worshipers throughout the week. All right, we get together. Our, one of the reasons that the church exists, and I should have said, all right, so I'm answering the question, why does the local church exist, right? Worship God, right? Second reason is to edify believers, Edify simply means to build up, to strengthen. And this is exactly the prophet Paul has in mind in verse 7 when he says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The Holy Spirit equips each individual member in the local congregation with at least one gift that they are to use to edify, to build up, to strengthen the other people in their local church. Um, Paul, when he's talking about how deeply inter interdependent the local church is, he uses this illustration, this metaphor of the human body, and he says, look, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 22 that every part of the human body is necessary. Even the seemingly weaker parts of the body are necessary. If the body's going to be healthy, if it's going to function as God intended it to function. And then Paul says in verses 25 and 26 that the, just like the parts of the human body better care for one another, the parts of the local church, Christ's body, better care for one another as well because they're all interdependent. They're all interconnected. Um, can you imagine if, if, if I have something in my eyes and my hands don't work to um, help the eyes out, the eyes suffer, yes, but the whole body ends up suffering. If I can't see, it's going to affect me deeply in every way, right? God created this body of believers to be uh, many members but that make up one local church, each given a, a gift from the Spirit so that we all grow up in Christ. This edification happens when, you, when we hear the scriptures taught, we're edified. When we come and we serve in the children's ministry or as a greeter and people, uh, you know, for the kids that are edified by our teachers. And when I walk in and somebody says, it's great to see you, I'm edified by their, um, their, their politeness and their, their genuine uh, happiness that I am here. Um, we are edified when we partake in city serve and we're reaching out to our community and when we operate in life groups and we're receiving support and challenge in our walk with Jesus, all these things build us up. They strengthen us in Christ. They ensure that the body is healthy. It's so important. Third reason that the church exists to reach our community for Christ. God has established this church at this time in this location because he wants to see the people outside of these walls reached for Christ. We're not simply here just to be here and edify one another. We are here to be Christ's ambassadors. His 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 uh his body that's moving and working in our community so that people can come into a relationship with him. Uh, every local church needs to be prayerfully considering, all right, what are the best strategies for us to reach the people of our community? How are we to do that specifically here, given our context, given what we know of the people that walk our streets? Uh, we need to be meeting with non-Christians together. We need to be celebrating when a member is able to share the hope they have in Christ with a non-believer. We need to be celebrating these stories. We need to be talking about the best ways to do that. Uh, we need to celebrate when somebody has started a discipleship relationship with somebody that is new in Christ. All right. Now, if the local church exists to worship God, edify believers, reach their community for Christ, the third question is, how should the local church be organized? How should it be organized? Um, as the Apostle Paul planted churches, he, was, he made sure to go back to those local churches and establish a team of elders in each one of those churches. Um, 
Acts 14 talks about Paul doing that. Titus 1.5 records Paul commanding Titus to appoint elders in the new churches in Crete. When writing to churches scattered throughout the Roman Empire, you have Peter, the Apostle Peter, addressing the elders of those churches, saying in 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Paul writes similar words in Acts 20, 28, when he says, therefore take heed, he's talking to the elders, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Elders are to be the shepherd leaders of the local church. That's how God um, has established it. Shepherds, what do they do? They know their flock, they feed their flock, they lead their flock, and they protect their flock. And so what does that mean for elders here in this local church? It means we elders are to know our members. We're to ensure that they are led in the ways of God. We are to be sure that they're being fed the word of God. We are to protect them from the lies of the enemy. And we are to be praying for our flock. We as elders are to be dedicated to the health of each individual member that's here and to the overall health of this local congregation. That's why God has created and established elders. Now, what should be the members' response to the shepherd elders? Well, members should willingly submit to the elders' leadership. So Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So, elders, we are to lead in such a godly way that your submission, that the members' submission to the leadership of the shepherd elders is a no-brainer. Doesn't this sound an awful lot like the household codes in Ephesians that we just covered a couple weeks ago? Mutual submission. We're submitting ourselves to you as we are watching over your souls. I am going to have to stand before Christ one day and explain to him how I did with that. And so will the other elders that serve at this church. There is no other higher calling in my mind. And so we, we need to be, we, we can do better. I know that for sure. But we're going to have to give an account. Guess what? You're going to have to give an account of how you submitted to the shepherd leaders of your local congregation. It's this mutual submission. We submit to you by being servant leaders. You submit to us by voluntarily following our lead. Right? Now, of course, uh, just like in those household codes we went through in Ephesians, if we're doing things ungodly, um, you know, the list goes on, then you don't follow our lead, right? So there are exceptions, and I'm sure you, you understand that. All right. Now, there's another office in terms of how the church should be led and, and structured and organized that came up. The office of deacon. This office was established because the elders of the church needed to be able to focus on their shepherd role. And so deacons, the office was created so that 
they, the deacons, could lead the effort in, in ensuring that every, uh, all the practical needs of the local church were met. All the practical, physical needs that the church body has, the, the deacons lead the way in making sure those are met. So that's the, the leadership of the local church. Now, of course, Christ is the head, right? So he's the, he's the ultimate shepherd. Elders are just under shepherds, under the great shepherd. So just so you know, don't say, well, Jesus is, he's the final authority, right? Okay. All right. Fourth question. Last question. Do I need to be involved, actively involved in a local church? Um, the, I already said in the big idea that, yeah, you need to be, right? So the answer is yes. I hope you can see why now. But let me just point out three reasons why this is the case. I hope they're obvious, but um, let's look at them. So the first reason is simply to obey God. That's why you need to be actively involved in a local church, to obey God. Is there a verse that says you must be actively involved in a local church? No, there's no verse that you're going to find in the Bible that explicitly states that. However, there's no way to submit to your leaders if you're not actively engaged in a local church. There's no way to have them watch over your soul. There's no way to use your gifts to edify believers. It's no way, there's no way you can receive the edification that you need from the gifts of the other believers in the local church. You see, there's no way to obey many of God's commands if you're not actively engaged and involved in a local church. Um, the idea that you can have Jesus and not have his bride is, is crazy. <clears throat> when you commit your life to Jesus, you commit your life to his bride, the church. That's a part of the commitment. You can't have Jesus without having his bride. In fact, the entire New Testament assumes Christians are members of local churches. The entire New Testament it's just a given. It's just a given. It's assumed. All right. Second reason why you must be a part of a local church to grow spiritually. Christians grow in the soil of the local church. That's, that's where they grow. As we have seen, the local church provides the spirit-empowered leadership, teaching, accountability, resources and support that you're going to need to grow. That's how God created it. The church is God's holy temple where his presence dwells amongst his people in and amongst his people in a unique way. I mean, just as we were um, singing together, I was reminded and my soul was moved by the spirit of God in several ways. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Mm. Anybody need to hear that this morning? Even when you don't see it, he's working. Um, every time I sing the bridge of that last song we sing, he makes all things new. Oh, like I am moved in my soul by the Spirit of God. Because more than anything, I want to see things become new in the power of Christ. I want to see families become new, marriages become new, our city become new. I want to see myself become new, even newer, right? I want to see it happen. It is happening. 
wonderful thing because God's Spirit is at work. Um, I, so these are the things. Uh, this is what happens, and it happens because I'm with you guys and I'm singing. And I'm seeing our leaders lead us in such humility and, and authenticity, and they, they believe this stuff. They, 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 they are passionate about this stuff, and it moves me, and it edifies me to help others grow spiritually. If you are not actively involved in the local church God has called you to, guess what? You not only suffer, we all suffer. Every one of us suffers. If God has called you here and you're not participating, you suffer, we suffer. We are so deeply interconnected, right? We are one body. If you're not exercising your time, your talent, and your treasure um, for this local body and God has called you to it, guess what? We're not going to be as effective in our evangelistic efforts as we could be. We're not going to be as effective in, um, in our worship of God as we could be. We're not going to be as effective in edifying one another as we could be. We, you need us, but we need you. Right? Now, um, I have an exterminator who's awesome. You got bugs. We, I mean, that sounds weird. We, we don't have, like, bed bugs or anything, but, you know, we live in an old house. We have spiders. Not anymore. Because this guy's awesome. And I was talking to the exterminator about, he does, like, judo or something. And you know what his sensei, I think, is that what they're called? I don't know. Uh, I just think of Starla from Napoleon Dynamite. That's what I think of when I think of karate. Anyways, so he, his teacher, and I think this is so true even for the Christian life, tells his students, if you really want to learn how to do this, teach another person. That's where it's at. If you really want to learn to be a disciple of Christ, disciple somebody else. That's how you do it. Because it will force you to grow as a disciple, to stay one step ahead. Um, come alongside of another person using your gifts to disciple them is going to help them to grow, but it will also help you to grow. Um, so that's why... We need to be actively involved in a local church. So next steps. What are next steps for you? If you have not attended our membership class, we got one coming up. Come. Learn what it means to be an active member of this local congregation. Come and check it out. Um, if you're not ready for that step, we're going to have a welcome party that's coming up. And this is just for any new person that's been coming that just wants to, to just learn a little bit more. If you are coming here regularly on Sunday morning, but this is all you do, next step is you got to do something else. You've got to serve with us in some capacity. And we have all different ways you can serve. From something as simple as hitting the computer button so the slides change, to so many other things. We have a spot for you. Um, just coming and not utilizing your gifts and your skills for this church 
You're just being a consumer. You're not being a producer. God has called us to be producers for, for His glory and, and for the sake of one another. All right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was going to say. Oh! Here's something so important. I hope we see this as a delight and not a duty. We get to do this stuff. This is a privilege to be able to do this stuff. This isn't like, oh, Shane's making me feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty at all. I'm saying look at what you're missing if you're not doing this stuff. There's joy here. Is it always easy? No. Because we all have quirks and sin issues that can just be downright annoying. Right? It's hard sometimes being around me. And I'll tell you, it's hard being around some of you too. <laughs> Let's just be real. But look, we are together and we have the blood of Christ that unites us so we can work past those things, right? What I love about the body of Christ is you get a whole bunch of people that would never hang out in one room. It's just, re it's just the reality. You wouldn't hang out with me. A lot of you would never hang out with me. I'm not interesting to you. I'm not in the, I don't have the same interest as you. And guess what? There's a lot of you I wouldn't hang out with probably outside of this, right? But in the body of Christ, we learn to be together. We learn to love each other. We learn to appreciate one another. It's a wonderful thing. So it's a privilege. My boys, as we were driving to church this morning, said, why is church so early on Sunday mornings, right? So, and here's what I told them. This was my answer. Uh, so, Sunday's the first day of the week, right? Right? Um, and for now, a couple thousand years, Christians have been starting their week off right. And Sunday is the Sabbath day, a day of rest, and they've been starting their Sabbath day off right. We come here on Sunday morning, first day of the week, to offer, to say, to declare, my life is about Christ. And this week is yours. And I'm going to start it the right way by centering myself on you, King Jesus, in your kingdom. So that my rest of my week, so the rest of my week is a reflection of your goodness and your greatness. That's why we get up early on Sunday morning and do this. And you know what? My boys understood that and they were on board. Elijah is not feeling great this morning. He's here. Right? Last thing and I'll be done. Alright, so there's another thing that happens a lot where we say, I don't feel like going and so I shouldn't go because that would be um, inauthentic. So, I want to push against that idea. We do a whole bunch of stuff that we don't feel like doing as an expression of love to the people we love. Mary does a whole bunch of stuff she doesn't like doing to love me. And actually, when she's doing it and she doesn't feel like it, perhaps that's a greater expression of her love. Right? And how are you going to get in the mood to, to be here? Well, not being here is not going to get you in the mood. Do the right thing, and often your feelings will follow. Right? So we're here. 
There are plenty of days you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. But we come. And often in those days I don't want to be here, guess what? The Spirit speaks to me. And it's like, man, I'm so glad I was there. Right? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being a part of your local church, one of the many expressions of your one body. Uh, we thank you that you have made it possible for us to be linked in this way, that it was through the sacrifice you made, Jesus, total grace and mercy that allowed us to become one family under your rule and reign. Lord, thank you that you are uniquely present when we meet, when two or more are gathered, there, gathered, there you are, right in our midst, revealing yourself to us, challenging us, supporting us, transforming us. Thank you for your goodness. It's all something we do not deserve. Lord, I know often we don't live by our beliefs, but by our convictions. And if there's anybody here that is not convicted that this matters and this is important, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would so move in their hearts that they would see that this is so necessary and it is such an awesome privilege to be able to do this. Lord, may we not take it for granted that we can meet Already so easily, I think we are, even though we just went through a pandemic when we couldn't be. How we wander away from you, Lord. I pray that you would restore us um, and restore to us the joy of our salvation. It's in your name we pray.